The viewpoints expressed in this podcast represent the opinions of the host and participants as of the date of publication. The opinions are not intended to be a substitute for financial and legal advice or a substitute for medical advice and best practices by leading medical authorities, as the information surrounding the current coronavirus pandemic is constantly evolving. It's Ryan and Jay here on The Rush. Let me break down how this all uh, took place. I go away for a day, trying to get my finger back in order. I come back, and it's like conspiracy theory central, like something is, is, has happened. We do this WhatsApp chat every day with our, our producer, Devin, and then I, I read this thing, and, and Jay, you're kicking this whole thing around that, that happened on the show yesterday with you and Amanda, and I'm just I'm observing it. I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, is this real life? Do they really believe this? I want to tell you everybody what happened first, and then we'll bring everybody into the show. Is this real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality? That's the question, Ryan. Here's the best part. Amanda, you can attest to this. We didn't even have this conversation during the show, on the show. The conversation happened entirely during our Zoom chat, during commercial breaks, during newscasts, when we started to slowly piece together the events that had unfolded. Let me take you back to December the 13th, a tweet you might remember on my feed, a picture of Amanda sound asleep on a beanbag chair outside of our, our rush meeting room shortly before we went on the air. She had been battling a very bad flu to the point where we went and did TV and she said, dude, I just gotta, I gotta lay down. I am completely knackered. She then did just that and then did a, a great show and I, and I shouted you out. Go to Saturday when I'm actually in Niagara Falls, New York and I'm actually tweeting out the following Amanda Ryan I blame you both because at the same time Ryan also not feeling well I wrote man cold so it's like the worst thing ever oh my god you guys I'm serious I'm dying cut to the very next day when I start to a fever of a hundred and three which knocks me out for days I hallucinate I wish death on myself I've never been more sick in my entire life during this whole interim you Amanda also were suffering after you were where for three weeks I was in uh, China Japan and the Philippines so the plot thickens during this entire time as well after I'm completely knocked off. Fast forward to starting to feel just a little bit better. Ryan Doyle for about a month comes in every day and is like, man, I can't kick this chest thing, this respiratory thing. I have no idea what's going on. I just know it's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. So you have a person that's been to China for three weeks. You have a guy that's hallucinating, wishing death upon himself. He's got an intense pressure in his head that if, if he had an ice pick, he would have poked himself in the ear to relieve it. You've got Ryan Doyle who's got, you know, he's, he's tough. He's tough on the outside, but on the inside, he's just as soft as the rest of us, trying to kick it down the road. But you, you did. You had a cough. You had a nagging respiratory thing. It just would not go away. So to all of this, Ryan, you say, and I quote, guys, you know this was just a flu. I think all not. Right. So let me get this straight. Amanda, I just want to get you on the record, and then we're going to bring in, bring in somebody to actually put you two straight. Uh, <laughs> you believe that you had COVID-19. Are you really believing this, or is this something that Jay has talked you into? Uh it's actually something that a few people have talked to me about and suggested just based on my travel history, what people were thinking was going around in, in, in Asia at the time, and just how I, I've never been that sick in my life. I had a fever. Um, I actually thought back. I had to get, I thought I had pneumonia. I was so sick. I lost my sense of taste um, and smell at one point, which I thought was due to just being congested, but um, I, I was exhausted. Uh, I never take time off work. I had to take like a week off work. Like I've never been that sick in my life. So my, actually my mom, who's a nurse was the one that raised it with me a couple like a month or two ago. And I thought she was, or whenever this started happening and I kind of dismissed it. But the more I see these things come out and the more we hear about the potential that this has been around for longer, 
I don't know. I, it kind of got suspicious. So, like, Jay and I started chatting, and we oh, started kind of put the pieces together. I know, I right. know you were away, but honestly. <laughs> we put the pieces together because they fit perfectly. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna, listen, I, I've got one expert that I trust, and it's neither of the two of you. Uh, Dr. Abdu Sharkawi is the uh, internal medicine and infectious disease consultant at the University of Toronto Health Network. Uh, doctor, I had you on the line just to listen to some of that. Uh, this happened back in December. I do remember it, and I do remember having a pretty bad respiratory thing, but I, I toughed it out. I went to work. I didn't think it was much of anything. When you hear all of what you just heard, what do you think? Well, when I hear all of this put together, particularly the travel history and the unique features of having lost the sense of taste and smell, to be quite honest, it's hard for me to come to any other conclusion other than that this is likely COVID-19 until proven otherwise. Um, And uh, I think it was very important to highlight the fact that our timelines were not really as accurate as we once thought. A lot came out initially that tried to pinpoint this down to some fateful event that happened back on December the 8th in this open seafood market in Wuhan, China. But we now know, having retrospectively examined the situation more closely, this was likely circulating early in November in China. So it is quite possible and very plausible that with the travel being what it was through much of Southeast Asia and other surrounding countries, this was probably already circulating in places like Hong Kong and Singapore and Japan, etc. So to me, it's very hard to dismiss this as being anything other than COVID-19. Of course, we'll never know without having formal testing done. But boy, it's awfully suspicious. Okay, well now now all three of you are in on this. No, I'm just kidding. I, wait, I, when you hear that, that's very fascinating. That's you know, all, massively fascinating stuff that you could bring it back here. But wouldn't more people be, I guess, infected if let's say Amanda did bring that back and she did give it to the two of us? Would there not be a higher risk of infection from all sorts of different people then? Well, it's quite possible. But again, what we know about this virus is it's very insidious and it's very odd in terms of how it spreads and how quickly it spreads and you know someone who recovers from this fairly quickly who happens to take fairly good care of themselves in terms of their health hygiene etc i mean that can lead to all kinds of different permutations in terms of how many people they're exposed to and how much it spread and frankly we don't know if amanda had it how many people she did spread it to because there are so many people in fact we're now estimating anywhere between 30 to 50 percent of people who have COVID-19 are totally symptom free. I mean, that's mind boggling. So it's quite possible that any number of people that were around Ryan or Amanda or anybody else could have been infected and they just didn't know it. So immediately where my mind is going right now, and I know this from 71010 because you're texting in, you're saying, wow, this sounds very similar to an experience I had. This sounds very similar to an experience that I had a relative have. If you remember back in December, it seemed like everybody in your workplace, everybody in your family was talking about this super flu. Man, this thing hit me like a ton of bricks. I've never been hit by a flu like this before. That being said, because Amanda and I are pals and I have travel envy on her Instagram, I know that you spent three weeks traveling through Asia doing predominantly what? Going to, to places and doing what? Uh, it was mostly just going to restaurants, eating dinner, going to like, you know, tourist attractions. We did use like the subway, um, but we were like, we're in a resort in the Philippines. We were in Hong Kong for three days um, and we were in Japan for a week. Um, so like very typical tourist stuff. It wasn't anything too exotic. We didn't go to farms or 
And we went to a market in, in Tokyo, but um, that was sort of like the a wet market. Yeah. Oh, I would think so. The Tsujiji market. So uh, it, there would have been like live fish and that kind of, but none of the, you know, like dogs or other weird stuff. like Right. But wet like markets that. are absolutely massive inside this story. Are they not, doctor? They are, but I think we want to be careful not to over-appreciate them. I think that, you know, this being an animal-borne virus, at this point we were quite confident that it came from bats and that the bat uh, droppings probably infected some other uh, species, and then that was introduced into this wet market. This is probably something that predated that wet market. That wet market probably just helped propagate this much more and served as an amplifier, if you will, for the infection to spread to, you know, a densely populated, uh, you know, uh, area of people. So, you know, we're dealing with densely populated countries with a lot of traffic and a lot of transit. Um, It's tempting to try and isolate it to one particular market, but I think that that might be a little bit too uh, erroneous to do so. Uh, I think that there are certainly any number of exposures that could have led to this circulating in China and in other parts of Southeast Asia well before that Wuhan market. Let, let's talk about the, the what's next steps. I mean, is there a way all three of us can go and get tested and, and find this out, or is it, you know, has the ship sailed really since it happened so long ago? Yeah, the ship has probably sailed in terms of what the value would be of testing for yourselves. Um, you know, it, it, it would be interesting from a research standpoint uh, if you were tested to see if you've got the antibodies that suggest that you have long-lasting immunity. Um, But I think what we're trying to do now is we're trying to identify people who have been confirmed as positive through the clinical scenario being very typical, um, and then hopefully use them going forward in a more controlled fashion to identify whether they have antibodies that are positive to this. This has already been done in China. It's already been done in parts of Scandinavia and other parts of the world. And we're actually doing some research on this at the University Health Network, and I'm part of that network. Um, and so we're looking into this in a more controlled fashion, and hopefully it'll give us some more answers um, in the months ahead. So a number of people want to know at 71010, and obviously it was probably one of our first questions. As we find this out, it's amazing information today. Would this mean that we're immune? Can we get this again? What's, what's, what's next with that? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And we think that hopefully people who are young and who have fully recovered from this will be immune. We don't know that with 100% certainty because we just haven't had enough people tested to identify this. And one of the big problems right now and limitations is the fact that the antibody test itself is not completely validated. We have seen all kinds of reports of these tests being sold like hotcakes in the UK and in the US, and they've used it on a mass scale in New York, uh, where they've suffered very badly from this pandemic. And we're learning that there's a lot of holes, a lot of gaps in this test that show that its sensitivity is not what we once thought. So we want to be very careful about using this test as an index of true immunity before we validate it and make sure it's more accurate. And once we're there, it'll be very, very instructive to us going forward to determine just how many people have recovered from this and who are truly immune. The question about whether you can actually become reinfected once you are immune, I think that's actually been answered to a certain extent already. And unfortunately, the answer is yes. 
we have seen some cases of people who have recovered from this seemingly fully who have subsequently become infected and have proven to be positive with this coronavirus. Um, However, this seems to have occurred on a fairly limited scale. So I don't want to incite too much panic and alarm to suggest, you know, immunity is useless and that it doesn't mean anything. I think that hopefully it will mean something, that it will provide some level of security for people who have become infected by this and in terms of the transmission that they could potentially confer to others. So I think there's a lot more that we still need to learn. Um, And I'm hopeful we'll continue to perfect this test so that we can get more formative information and recommendations going forward. Doctor, we appreciate the time and the insight today. Thank you very much. It's been very helpful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's Dr. Abdi Sharkawi, internal medicine and infectious disease consultant at the University of Toronto Health Network. Okay. I'm not going to say you guys were right. I mean, that would be beneath me. Against your brand? (laughs) That's interesting, though. What do you guys think after, Amanda, very quickly, what do you think after hearing that? Uh, I don't know. My mind's a bit blown about it, thinking that I had it this whole time and I've been so stressed about getting it. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I don't know. I'll have to absorb it, honestly. I kind of suspected it, but I thought I was being a bit nutty. But hearing an expert like that talk about it, I guess it's more widespread than we think. I'm actually thinking i got to contact it? my work and tell them that I may have spread it to the office. Was it yes, the three weeks good. in China that had the bit of nagging doubt in your mind? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, not in just... Like piecing together all the symptoms, right? I mean, yeah, of course. The smell, the cough, all that kind of stuff. So it just sounded a lot like what's been going around already. Yeah. Well, anyway, right. there we go. There you go. Very interesting stuff. There Amanda, you thank you very much wow. for feeding us Jay's conspiracies.